0: Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. In Genesis chapter 6, if you get your Bibles open, I'm excited about preaching God's Word. How many love the Word of God? I'm going to close up tonight this series that I did not plan on being a series, but it ended up being one and. We just kind of let the Holy Spirit lead us. That happens. Um, I, 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 when it comes to preaching, lean a lot more towards on week to week and service to service, letting the Holy Spirit uh, lead me. Series are good, but most of the time when I do series, they're not planned. It just kind of happens. How many would rather have me preach every service exactly what the Lord's telling me for that day instead of something planned ahead? Amen. There's nothing wrong with planning, but the Holy Spirit is what leads us, and I want to be led by His Spirit. And I know this has been, I've gotten a lot of good feedback. I know this has been a very good series. I know it's helped a lot of people, and I, and I believe tonight is going to help more than any of the other ones. One of the first verses we started out with, we're going to be in Genesis 6 in a second, but I want to throw this out, a little phrase of a verse, and don't go there right now. Just remember it, write it in your notes. You probably have it from the first uh, series, the first night is where the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, casting down every argument and taking captive our thoughts. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that at the top, taking captive our thoughts. I'm not going to read that verse tonight, but I just read it to you. You heard it, 2 Corinthians 10. And I want you to think tonight about arresting your thoughts. If you've ever heard me pray, I don't know if the Lord just gave this to me or if I heard someone. I don't know. Doesn't matter. But I've, for many, many years, prayed it, and I hear it. And the disciples as well that have learned and preached under me is is arrest our minds. I pray that 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 our minds would be arrested in a sense. How many know when you're arrested? Hopefully, many of you have never been arrested. I have never been arrested. But if you, some of you have, and when you're arrested, you can't do anything. Your your hands are tied. Uh, you're, in a, you're in a place of submission, and you kind of have to focus on what's going on. And I want our minds to be arrested tonight. But I want us to think about this. I want us to think about arresting our thoughts. Okay? That's what I want you to have in your mind as this goes forward. I'm going to give you some really good examples. I want you to think about you are with God working together to take captive your thoughts. You're, and not only are you going to take them captive, but you're going to put them in prison. Okay, you're going to put them in a place where they cannot come back and lie to you or deceive you anymore. How many are seeing the picture I'm trying to paint? I want you to be the the police, the the patrol of the thoughts in your mind and your life. Okay, but let's start off. And so if you're taking notes, it's fifth fifth, fifth one. Winning the Battle of the Mind is the series. And tonight it is called Guard Your Mind. Guard Your Mind. And I want you to see that picture. And I want you to picture that person in there that is inside that prison cell. That is not you. Okay? I don't want you to think that's you. Those are your thoughts. And I want you to picture your thoughts being frustrated tonight. I want you to picture your thoughts being in a cell and you hold the keys. And they cannot come out of that cell unless you let them. Okay? How many are following me? That's the the mindset I want you to have tonight. Thoughts are going to come, but we're going to arrest those thoughts. We're going to put them in the cell. And when we look at those thoughts, they're going to be frustrated and know they can't get out because we hold the keys to that cell. Okay? Now, having that in mind, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 6, and we're going to see tonight. But at the same time, I want you to understand how powerful and how real the devil is and his plans and how real the enemy is. I've been telling you for a long time, you cannot defeat something you don't respect. If you don't, if you don't see that enemy as powerful, then you're not going to take that enemy serious, and you're not going to put them in that cell. Instead of being in a cell where they can't do anything, and when they're arrested and they can't move, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hang out with them. You're going to fellowship with them. We need to see our thoughts that are not godly as a prisoner that needs to be in prison. Prisoners need to be in prison. Can I get an amen? Listen, don't, go, don't let your mind go someplace speaking of thoughts. When I say prisoners and people, I'm talking about not people who haven't been unjustly put there. We know that happens, although every prisoner thinks they have been put unjustly there. How many know lots of people do real crimes and do really bad things, and prisoners deserve to be in prison? Can I get a better amen? Let something happen to your family member. Let some family member in your family get hurt by somebody or raped or stolen or killed and see if you think it's okay for that prisoner to be free. You want that prisoner in prison. And so just like a prisoner needs to be in prison, our thoughts need to be in that place. Okay? Okay? So all the way back in Genesis chapter 6, we find out that this is a serious battle. And it says in verse 5, that the Lord saw the wickedness of man. Tell the person next to you, we are wicked. Humanity is wicked. And it says, it was so great in the earth. And this is what I want you to see. That every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay. Now that hasn't changed because the flood came. We still have that problem today. But all the way back in the beginning, God creates us, gives us free will, and then we just turn around as the human race and just say, God, we don't like you. We don't, we don't want to respect you. We, don't want, we were just going to be bad. You give us free will, we're going to take it and run. And we're not going to do good things with it. He says, he says, it's so bad, and we know that the next verse says, I'm sorry that I even made man. In other words, he's probably thinking, I wish I would just gone the whole robot route. I just made him worship me. Made him bow down to me. But how many know that, that life wouldn't be life if we didn't have free will? We have to have a choice. We have choices that we make every single day. We have thoughts that come into our mind every day. And we have to learn how to take them captive. So we see here, there's a real, real problem. And it says, this last part of verse 6 says, And he was grieved in his heart. See, what happens when you get saved is you no longer want to grieve the Lord. Can I get an amen? If you really love Jesus and he's really saved you and really changed you, and you're really a new creation, you don't want to grieve the Lord. You want to please the Lord. That's the difference between being saved and unsaved. Unsaved people don't think about pleasing God. Saved people should think about pleasing God. And it should grieve our spirits when we don't. Now, I want you to think about the word guard. I was studying this today and just looking at different words, and I want to take this, I don't do this a lot, but sometimes I do, uh, from the word, the Greek, where whenever you hear someone say that, for someone that's new in the Lord, uh, it's not just to sound eloquent. It's the root of the word. Okay? It's the understanding of what it means, and we, we, this Bible that we're reading, it was not written in English. Okay, the New Testament was not written in English, it was written in Greek. So when we look at the Greek, we can go back to a deeper understanding of the word, and we're talking about guard. Guard your mind. Okay, so when I think of guard, personally, my first thought as an athlete is guarding my opponent. Because playing sports all my life, especially basketball, I prided myself. I don't know, is that a word, prided? Can you be past tense for Pride. Okay, I took pride. I don't know if that sounded weird. It sounded Texan. I took pride in not allowing my man to score. And believe it or not, when I was in high school, even though I was the leading scorer on my team, I was also the best defender. And I think David would see today that he could see where that could come from. right? Like I, I pride myself. Dwayne, I, I don't like people to score on me. Like when I want to, right, play defense. Some of the times we don't want to, but take pride in saying, Man, I can stop that guy. And when I played basketball, they would put me on the best player. I was the best scorer on my team. And so they put the best defender on me to guard me and keep me from scoring. But I also had to guard the best player on the other team. And I took pride when the game was over that I had more points than he did. And sometimes it didn't matter if I scored a lot. I didn't want my guy to score. So guarding was keeping him from getting to the basket. Okay, That's what comes into my mind first. You might have something else come in. But tonight we're going to focus it on a guard who is watching the cell. We're going to focus on the one who's got the keys right there. When you think of the word guard, I want you to think of guarding that cell. Okay, and I want you to picture in that cell is all kinds of evil, all kinds of corruption. It's in that side of that cell is a plan. How many know when prisoners are in, in prison, they are constantly planning? Anybody know that? They don't have anything else to do. And it's crazy to me, especially when I read you something here in a second, that that some people go to prison and get out and go back in again. And some several times in their lives, people do what they call hard time, 10, 15, sometimes 20 years of hard time in prison, and somehow that does not reform them, and they get out and they end up going back to that cell. And, and I want to tell you tonight, I want you to think, I'll stay with me on this. How many would understand and, underst- and believe that there are some prisons that are better than others? Some prisons do their job better than others. Some prisons uh, are, can be bought. I would like to think not so much in our country, although I know it exists, but in other countries... It's very often that it happens that, that, that things like that happen. And I'm going to give a little lead-in. If you remember El Chapo, remember El Chapo, the, Mexi- the, the, like the largest at one time, biggest drug dealer in the entire world who made literally billions of dollars? He made a whole bunch of money inside of jail, too. And they said in his first time being in prison in Mexico that he had just as equal of a life inside prison as he did out. That's a problem. He had ladies in there. He had drugs in there. He had entertainment in there because he paid off the prison guards. So I want you to think in your life, of your thought life, how inside of that prison cell that you're looking at tonight, the devil and his demons are planning strategies to defeat you. And they want to get out so that they can fulfill their plan. Okay? When, when a person is a... Now, how many know tonight the great thing about the gospel is is that Jesus can change a true prisoner, a, a, a criminal mind. You know, there's these shows, Criminal Minds. There are criminal minds, and you probably be better not off to... I've never watched them, but I know what they're about. It's better not to watch those shows because they're just going to give you nightmares when you realize how Genesis said people are evil. And so these real prisoners are like, I'm going to relate them tonight to real demons. That that they're not playing games. They're literally wanting to get out of that cell to come destroy your life. Just like a real prisoner who doesn't want to change his life has a plan when he gets out of prison. Right now, all across the world, there are prisoners who are planning what they're going to do when they get out. And it's not get a job. And it's not start a family. Are you all with me? Am I speaking the truth? It's get out and make money illegally and quickly and illegally and quickly and quickly and illegally. Because they're prisoners. They're, they're criminals. And I'm not talking about there may be some ex, I know there's some ex-criminals in our church. I know people who have gotten saved. I'm not saying that any of those can't be saved. I'm just saying there are some that are never going to change. Not that they can't change, but they're never going to change. Are you all following me? This is very important that you get this. So guard is this. In the Greek is "fureo," And it says to guard, the first, to protect, I want you to get this, by a military guard. There's guards and then there's military guards. It's like another level. Either to prevent a hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. That's what it means in the Greek. So it's, it's a protection by military guard. They, how many have ever heard of Guantanamo Bay? That's in Cuba. It is a prison that is made to be very not nice and very ugly and very impossible to escape. And that is where the really, really bad criminals go, especially that have done something against the United States. As far as treason or, or, or um, terrorist attacks, they go there and they are surrounded by uh, water and they're surrounded by military. And so it, it's just it's set up just like Alcatraz was to where even if they could get out of prison, they weren't going to go anywhere. Okay, y'all following me? So, I began to read up today, and some of you will know this, especially anybody who's lived in Colorado. The most secure prison in the world is in Colorado. In the world. No one has ever escaped. It's the only prison that they know of that no one has ever been able to escape from. Now, I want to read a little bit about this, and as I'm reading, I want to put this out so that as the rest of this message goes on and then you take all five of these series together and you have this kind of mentality that this is how we need to treat our thoughts. Okay, let me say this one more time. You've got prisons where they take the people and they even say, we believe we can reform these people. And how many would like to see people reformed? Obviously, we would they're human beings. But church, listen, there are some people who are human but act like animals. Would you agree with that? I'm just calling the kettle black. There are criminals who do not want to change and will not change. And so some prisons have taken the mentality, we're gonna take these, and now these are prisoners who again have done terrorist attacks murdered many people, or been in prison and caused havoc in a regular maximum security prison where they now have to go to what this is called as a supermax. Supermax. So they're taking criminals, and remember when I'm saying this, I'm trying to get you to think about this with your thoughts. You need to look at your thoughts like this prison looks at their prisoners. Some of y'all are getting this. Okay? We don't take our thought life serious enough. We don't realize that our thoughts can destroy us because our thoughts turn into actions. Okay, So as I'm saying this, you picture these men and women and they say, okay, these are now criminals who have done so much bad that we are no longer trying to reform them. That's out the window. Now we're just trying to contain them. And, and I, I, I would say that most, I would say all of us, I'm going to put all, all, none of us in this place would want somebody who wants to be reformed, no matter what they've done, to be stuck in prison forever and be treated inhumane if they want to change. But the fact is, there's a lot of people, who, again, who don't want to change. They're literally animals. They're possessed by demons. And they get to a place where this jail in ADX it's called in Florence, Colorado says we're not reforming, we're containing I want to read a little bit about this prison the Unabomber's there the one who uh, uh, took out um, Timothy McVeigh was there, I think he's dead now Timothy, is he alive still? anybody know? the guy that did the Oklahoma City bombings, he's still alive? anybody know? Okay, he, if he isn't alive, he was there at this prison El Chapo is now at this prison, okay, after escaping from prison twice in his own country. And does anybody remember the last time he escaped? Does anybody remember that? If you haven't seen that, you need to go YouTube it. He paid off the people in the prison that they made a one-mile tunnel from his cell at an angle where the camera couldn't hit it. And one day he went into his half wall shower and disappeared into a tunnel that they had dug underneath the prison for a mile to a piece of land that he had bought. Y'all didn't hear about this? And he came out and was free for about 13 years. Okay? He had the money and paid off the guards to make a one mile tunnel. And he got in it, got on a motorcycle, and drove the mile underneath the ground to get out he's in ADX now he's now in American territory they extradited him you ought to go look at the documentary Worst prisoners, okay? Now listen, I want you to, I want you to take the thoughts. What's, what's the worst thoughts? The thoughts that maybe have been destroying you, hurting you. I'm going to throw this out just to understand. If you have a, had a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or a pornography addiction or some kind of horrible addiction that for many years hurt your life, those are the kind of thoughts I'm talking about. They need to be put in the prison and locked up forever with no reform. Okay? Have I said that enough to see where where I'm going with this? So here's what the secure uh, ADX Florence Colorado prison is. has two perimeter fences, and they're one foot apart. Okay, that's about that distance. With the inner fence alarmed. So if they get to the first fence, they were saying, one time a guy got to the first set of fences, and as soon as the alarm went off, they killed him. Immediately. He didn't get to the second fence, which is one foot away. And they are 14 rows of razor wire. And their armed perimeter is sorry, the perimeter is armed by patrols and towers. You've seen those. But this is a different prison. They have a minimum of five scheduled head counts every 24 hours. So every four hours. They're checking to make sure all the heads are there. It's the only prison in the world that is not overpopulated. It has 490 cells and 360 prisoners on purpose because only the special ones get to go there. I want you all to put some of your thoughts in the ADX prison tonight. Those thoughts that have been destroying you, those thoughts that have hurt you, if they haven't hurt you for a while, I want to make sure that you put them in this prison. Then it says, there are, they're, they're isolated, these men, these prisoners, in tiny cells, 7 foot by 12. Okay, I'm 6 foot 4. So if I were to lay down in this cell, I'd have this much left lengthwise. 12 foot wide. 7 by 12. 12. Total cement, no metal, cement bed, cement shower, cement toilet, 7 by 12. And they're isolated 23 hours a day. And they have no prisoner across from them. Most prisons that you'll see... They'll have some kind of interaction with other prisoners where they can shout and talk. The, I, I, I watched an interview today of this one guy, and he said he, he, he was in there for, I think, 10 years. I don't even know how he made it out alive. He said that this prison is underground. So the cells, when you go and see the prison, if you see it on YouTube or if you go Google it later or you want to see it, it doesn't look like much because the prison's underground. And when when they get out, listen to this, for one hour, and I have a very understanding experience with this. The man that I've told my testimony about before that I led to the Lord in Costa Rica who had a 36-year sentence named Rudy, and then Pastor Mario got to go visit him after. If you've never heard me tell that testimony, I'll have to tell it again sometime. But he was on this lockdown 23 hours a day in an isolated cell with no windows and no other prisoners around, and then when they let them out, they let them out for one hour to a room that was just a little bit bigger than they were, and all they could do was see the sky. Nothing outside for one hour. So they literally let out of their cell into a cage for one hour. 23 hours a day. This man today I was listening to was on lockdown for six years straight. Okay? And it says that that keep them like this, so that that only one hour of of, uh, time outside of their cell, so that behind this is holding techniques that those being confined in ADX would inevitably start trouble if they were allowed to mingle. They know that if they could talk to another person, there'd be trouble. And so they don't let that happen. Inmates are forced to stay in their cells for days and days at a time before they ever let them out. Sometimes it's four days, sometimes it's eight days, sometimes it's two weeks before they let them out to, to even see a guard. They have no interaction with the guard physically. In these cells, when, they walk, when the guard walks in, their food is put through a slat. And when they walk in, if they have to take them somewhere to, to that cell outside, they are inside another cell where they never make contact with the prisoner. That's what, this, that's what this cell is like. That's what this jail is like. And it is made so that these men will die in that prison and never have contact outside. And I want you to understand that that's the kind of mentality that God wants us to have over our thought life. He wants us to see those thoughts as we need to put them into a prison and never let them out. Okay? First Chronicles 28.9. Listen to this. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Serve him with a loyal heart and with a what? Somebody say that out loud. With a willing mind. For the Lord searches the hearts and understands the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. How many want to seek the Lord tonight? Amen. How many as you're listening to me describe this prison could get a little claustrophobic just listening? Could get a little bit dark just listening to this. This is a scary place. That's, that, that's the darkness of hell. Amen. That's what hell's going to be like. Except that's probably going to be really nice compared. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your thoughts determine your actions. Intentions. What are intentions tonight? Think about intentions. Our intentions are, this is what I would like to do. This is what I feel like I should do. Those are the intentions. And church, God knows our intentions. And Proverbs 21 says, verse 2, that he weighs the intentions of our hearts. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the hearts. So I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. We've got to guard, so we've been talking about this whole series, we've got to guard what is allowed to come into our mind. We have to just take some thoughts that are not godly and we need to lock them up in a, in a maximum super max security and, and have the mentality. Are you getting the mentality of these prisons? They're, they're, they're setting this up in a way where that man never has a chance of hurting somebody else again. You need to start looking at the thoughts that have hurt you like that. You need to start having that kind of mentality, a a purposed mentality about the thoughts that come at you. Because how many know we have control over them? That's what we talked about last week. Now, let's look at Mark chapter 7. This is an interesting part of Scripture. And by the way, I haven't repeated any scriptures in this five five weeks. They've all been new. They've all been different. This is an interesting one. They're talking here, before I read it, about customs and traditions and what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat, and that the disciples don't wash their hands. And so they're focusing on the outside. How many know Jesus was always focusing on the inside? The Bible says that man looks on the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. When they went to choose David, they brought all these men in that they thought were really good looking and strong and mighty. And he said, no, 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 those aren't the ones. Because God looks at the heart. And so it says here, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts and adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is very important. God does not talk to your mind. God does not talk to your mind. God talks to your spirit. Did y'all get that? When you are having a thought in your mind, that's not God. That's the enemy. God will speak to your spirit. But, he, the, devil, but the devil wants to lie to us, okay? The, 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 thing, the things coming into your mind, the thought life is the devil putting that there. God will speak to your spirit. I hope you grasp that. Let me give you an example. We see the word there, adultery. We, in the Old Testament, they'd say, well, if if a person doesn't physically have an adulterous affair with somebody, isn't physically with that person, it's just, and people have this mentality, it's just, I'm just thinking that, I would never do that. That's just a thought I have. I would never entertain it. Everybody heard anybody say something like that? I mean, it was just a thought. I would, never, I would never really do that. That's what people say. Jesus came to destroy that because he understood that if you think it, you can do it. And that can be good and bad. And so he comes and says in Matthew 5, you guys have heard this before. He says, verse 27 and 28, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. So they're automatically thinking, the act of adultery, physically being with another person when you're married. And he says, I say to you, whoever even looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery, where? In his heart. He's saying the thought life here, you've got to understand that your thoughts have already done the act. And so I wrote this down today. I thought this was interesting. Here we see that God is judging us and dealing with us and holding us accountable. Somebody say accountable. For something that men will never see on the outside. That's why you can fool people, but you can't fool God. People, You could be sitting in here tonight and have a Bible in your hand and look like the greatest Christian in the world on the outside, and you could be as wicked as anybody in this world on the inside. Don't think that God is judging you by your outside. He knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. And that's what he's breaking down here. He's trying to get us to understand, if I don't deal with it on the inside it's going to come out on the outside, okay? If I don't deal with it, it's going to manifest. So if our thoughts are right, our actions will be right. If we guard with that prisoner mentality, we will win. If our thoughts are not right, there's listen to this, there's no telling what can happen. Am I trying to scare you? I'm trying to get you to see how serious sin is. You you there's no tell you know why I say that because uh, John eight I don't have any scriptures but John eight I think it's forty four says that that um, Jesus sorry Satan comes to steal kill and destroy. He comes to steal kill and destroy. He's not playing games. He's he he and, and no the verse I'm thinking of sorry is that Jesus that Satan is the father of all lies. That's the one I'm thinking of. He says he he has been lying since the Garden of Eden. And actually before that, he was lying when he was in heaven before he fell. He's a liar. Why do we listen and entertain this liar so much? Amen? When we're not walking in victory, it's because we're entertaining the father of all lies. Now, as I begin to close right here, I want you to think about this. 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's see what the, the Bible says about how serious this is. Verse 6. It's kind of backwards here. I almost feel like this could have been the other way around, but we're going to read it, and then we'll, then we'll see it. He says, humble yourselves. I was talking to my son about this today. Pride is the number one thing God hates. Number one. There's nothing God hates more than pride, and there's nothing more dangerous than pride. Pride is what casts Satan out of hev- heaven. Pride. Pride. It says, humble yourselves. And I always tell you this. Don't say, God, humble me. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Get on your knees and say, Lord, I am nothing without you. I humble myself. It says, under the mighty hand of God, that he would exalt. How many would rather be exalted by God than by man? All of us, if we're in our right mind. But it's easier to get man's approval. It's easier to do that. He says, humble yourself, and then God will exalt you in due time. Cast your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now watch this. I almost feel like that could have been after this. Be sober. Be vigilant. This is where I'm, I I want you to picture that you need to be vigilant like that, like that, like I imagine that every prison is really serious but in this prison that I'm talking about in Colorado, these, these guys will lose their job fast if they even entertain the thought of interacting with one of these prisoners. I mean, it is a different level. These are the worst criminals in the world who are not to be reformed. They're just holding them. And so you see here be vigilant. We need to have that mentality that we need to say there's no way I'm letting that thought come out again. Okay? You know what thought I'm talking about tonight could be two or three. There's one for sure that you that you really battle with that you know what it is and you need to keep that thing locked up in the max supermax security prison. And not play any games with letting that thought out. Because you know if that thought gets out, it could destroy you. Because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Devour is not hurt. Devour is destroy. We have to understand that we don't have to be afraid of the devil, but we better respect him. Because he's, he's coming after us to destroy us. Now, last thought it, that I want you to think about is how, how tricky the devil is. Why you have to have this lock and key done. You can read this later for time in 1 Kings 18. But if memory, many of you will remember, and I would like you to read it for Homer. you remember the story. It's one of the coolest stories in the Bible of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. How many remember that story? Does that ring a bell to anybody? Elijah's preaching. And, and these prophets come at them. They're false prophets. And the, quickly, to say the story fast, you can read it later, is, is there's, a, there's a, a, a competition between whose God is real. He calls down fire from heaven on his sacrifice after they watered it down and saturated it with water, and it consumes the whole altar, and you see this amazing miracle. As soon as that happens, pay attention to me, as soon as that happens, probably the, one of the biggest victories in the Bible, Elijah walks out of that battle, and immediately the devil meets him. you got to be careful when you walk out of a victory that you stay humble. He walks out of that victory, and the devil's waiting for him in the form of Jezebel. And Jezebel says, if by t- the sundown tomorrow, if I haven't killed you, I'll die. She threatens him. Read it later. And Elijah, this mighty man of God who has seen all these miracles, did not prison uh, take that thought prison pr- pr- uh, captive and put it in prison. He let that thought come out. He wasn't vigilant. He put his guard down. And all of a sudden, you'll see it. It's almost unexplainable. He goes from winning that amazing battle to running away into the desert to a broom tree, the Bible says, and sitting underneath it and saying, God, kill me. I want to die. There's no one else left but me. Can you imagine? Can you even, can that even fa- can you fathom seeing that kind of miracle? And then the next day being under a tree saying, Lord, kill me. I'm the only one. I'm, no, no one's with me. That's, that's the power of the spirit of lying from the enemy. He knows how to lie and he's good at it. So you have to take, he needed to take that cap thought. And later on, the, the, the spirit comes and ministers to, ministers to him and says, Listen, there are 7,000 prophets, men of God, who have not bowed their knee. And he gets up out of that tree and he goes forth and continues to do great things for God. But I want you to see there, church, how quickly and how easily you can be on the mountaintop and fall down if you don't take those thoughts captive. And you don't treat those thoughts like a prisoner with no reform. Holy Spirit, tonight, I pray that this example that I've given to the people here in this congregation and those watching online would understand. That's how we have to see thoughts. We need to see that there are a lot of thoughts that have no reform. They're simply trying to destroy us. They're not godly. They don't line up with the Word of God. They're not peaceful. They're demonic. And we need to put them in the prison cell, and we need to throw the key away. And we need to be vigilant to make sure that when that thought tries to come out at us again, we destroy it and we take it captive and we defeat it by the blood of Jesus. Help us tonight all across this place to have that kind of mentality, to guard our hearts like a security guard in the max, supermax security prison. It's his life or mine. Tonight, church, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you need to have that mentality. It's the devil or me. One of us is going to lose and it ain't going to be me. I'm not going to let the devil beat me. I'm not going to let the devil lie to me. I'm not going to let the devil destroy me. I'm not going to believe these lies he tells all the time. No, no, no. Taking it captive. I'm putting in that cell and I'm throwing the key away and it's never coming out again. How many all over this place, maybe watching online, listening on the podcast, you don't have a chance with the devil tonight because you have not given Jesus the lordship of your life. Is he lord tonight? Is he master? Is he king of kings in your life? You lose He's the prince of the air, the Bible says. The devil is seeking whom he can destroy. But the blood of Jesus is stronger. But you have to have the blood of Jesus over your life. you got to put that blood over the doorpost. you got to claim Jesus is my defense. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my king tonight. And he has set me free. How many could say, Pastor, pray for me quickly all over this place. I'm not saved. I'm not born again, just put your hand up, put it right back down. I'm backslidden tonight, I'm running from the Lord. I'm not ready to meet Jesus. I'm not taking my enemy serious tonight. Pray for me. Pray for me tonight. Let's stand all across this place. I want to have some time of altar. And we're going to open up these altars in just a moment. Let's just go ahead and begin to come down. I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer in just a moment, so let's stay online just for a little bit longer. But let's just come down. And find a place. I want you to come with a vigilant guard mentality tonight. I want you to come with a mentality that that thought is going to be thrown into the prison with no windows and there's no escape, and it's on lockdown, and you're not going to let that thought come out anymore into your life. I want you to take authority over that tonight. But right before we pray, right before we sing, let's say a sinner's prayer. Let's say a prayer of salvation for anybody that could be watching online right now or listening on the podcast that we may never meet, but tonight they're ready to meet Jesus. I want you to say this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I know that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I fall short of your glory. But while I was a sinner, you died for me on the cross, for me, the ungodly. I accept that and believe that. I believe not only that you died on the cross and took my place, but you rose from the dead to defeat death. And Jesus, right now, From this no moment forward, I give you my life. I surrender to your Lordship. I'm not my own anymore. I belong to you. Forgive me of all my sins and all my shortcomings and all my mistakes. I repent of them all. Change me and make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.